previously on Unpacked. I was always a laughing stock, so um, because of my sexuality, I was made to feel as though I'm demonic. That was the, the first guy that uh, literally uh, uh, raped me. I reached a point where I wanted to commit suicide. But when did you get to know that this is actually a crime? All I knew is that it's forbidden. Arnold Molaisha tells us about the events that followed after he arrived in South Africa seeking asylum following an investigation regarding his sexuality in his home country of Zambia. This is part two of his story. Let's unpack. So now you left school and at some point you started a new job. What was it that you were doing? At uh, the time I left school, I went to, uh, I, I started working for the government, uh, for the Department of uh, Water Affairs. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, before, I, uh, after that, I'd already known what, what uh, homosexuality is. Mm. By then I started I'd already started engaging into sexual sexual activities. Mm. Um, I wouldn't call it dating. Uh, I would have, how can I call it? Is it acquaintances or whatsoever? Mm. Uh, you were exploring. Yeah, I was literally exploring. Mm. Um, I was literally exploring. Uh, so I had some few friends, uh, maybe from to call friends or whatever, those that were in the closet, but uh, they would literally see me and then approach me. Um, yeah, so it literally started, it literally started from there. So I didn't know that I could literally date, be in a relationship until I met uh, somebody I got to fall in love with. Um, uh, his name was... You don't have to say his name. You don't have to say his name because I'm I'm acutely aware that the person might still be there. No, he he isn't. He went okay. back. Okay. Um, and obviously, we, I I wouldn't want anybody getting in trouble. No. Okay. Um. Yeah. So you started dating, and then what happened at work? Uh. So the person I was dating was coming from abroad. He he was white, and he was coming from from abroad. Then he came to work in Zambia as a peace cop. So. He, he knew what everything was. Um, I got to learn quite a lot from him and he really, really made me feel so comfortable mm -hmm. such that sometimes whenever we're in public, I would literally forget that, no, uh, we are in public. Um, and I, I, only, I only got to, I, I saw him first at the gym I've always loved it, exercising. I saw him first at the gym, and until the time I was, uh, what surprised me was every time I'm at I'm at the gym. If I if if he, if he comes, he finds me. Maybe he gets in ten minutes. I go to the bathroom. He would only exercise for about ten minutes. Mm -hmm. Once when I go to the bathroom, he would follow me. I shower, I leave the gym. He would also leave. Mm -hmm. So there was a time I was sick and I didn't go to the gym like for about three days and then he kept on asking them where is that guy mm. until the time I went back 
Um, then he saw me, he literally came to hug me. Then I'm like, what the fuck, you don't even talk to me. And then I remember he didn't even allow me to exercise that day until then he took me out for, for, for dinner. And after that, he took me back to my place. That's the time he got to know where I stay. And that's how we started dating. Uh, I learned quite a lot from him. And um, it was just so beautiful such that I... I tried by all means to hide it, but I would literally forget and I would mm. kiss him in public. Because you were in love. Um, yes. And that even brought in more people talking. So now um, something happened at work. You, you're in a relationship. You lose your morals in inverted commas in the sense that you were going a little bit public because you were just so in love. What yeah. was it that happened at work? So by then, a lot of people were talking, which I, I literally didn't. I don't know. I really, really tried to hide it. So there was, this, there was this time my boyfriend came at lunch, and then in my office, I closed the office. My boss really didn't have manners, and uh, she literally just walked in and opened the door as always, as she does. And by then, uh, me and my boyfriend were kissing. And yeah, immediately after that, I think it took, that happened like, I don't know if it's Thursday or Friday. Mm. And, and after that, um, then I received, uh, I think two days after that, then I received a call from a friend of mine now who was working for the police, and this is somebody I used to, 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 to have sex with before I started dating. And then um, it's like, uh, they are, we are literally coming for you wherever you are, please get out of your, your, your house. And mm. uh, he was scared that uh, if I'm to be caught, then definitely they, they will be exposed as well because by then would literally take pictures. I think I had quite uh, a lot of stuff in, in my archives. Um, mm. Yeah, so basically he was also scared. He was also just looking out for himself. And uh, um, I didn't believe him until he persisted and that's how uh, I literally left. And the time that I was leaving, they were literally coming in to, 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 to fetch me. What um, do you mean left? Do you mean like you packed up your life? No, I didn't because he told me, uh, we, 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 we are coming, we are on the way. Please, uh, wherever you are, please leave your house. Please mm. leave your house. So the only thing that I took, I think it was my passport, my laptop bag, and just few of my documentation mm. because I was so much in disbelief. Mm. And then the time that I was literally going, that was the time that they were coming. That mm. was the time that they were coming, uh, they were coming in. And immediately after that, then I received a call from my landlord that no, the police are, uh, are looking for me. And after that, I never looked back. I continued. And the next thing, it was all over. Uh, it was circulated that um, the police are looking for me. Um, mm. Yeah. So how did you eventually flee the country? Um, we... We went to the 
border and um, who's who's we? Uh, n- not we. I went to the border mm. and after that, uh, uh, some few friends of mine had to 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 organize um, somebody because we couldn't go to the airport. I was going to be caught. Uh, then the only option was for me to come to South Africa because uh, uh, Zambia, Zambia and South Africa, they are part of the SADC and I don't need a, uh, a visa for me to be mm. in South Africa. And um, Isn't Zimbabwe closer? Um, yeah, but the only country, uh, by then the only country that allows homosexuality was South Africa. Mm. So mm. the only place I could come to is right here in South mm. Africa. Um, yeah, so that's what happened. We had to pay somebody at the Zambian border just for me to be, just for me to cross. Mm. After we crossed, that was that was when I was free, such that I'm even able to come out of the bus and walk on my own because mm. the driver took my passport and then whatever he did, I just stayed in the bus. The time the police officer came in the bus, he just looked at me and left mm. until... We crossed that when I was free from Zimbabwe coming this side. Mm. And when you were on the bus arriving in South Africa, what was going through your mind? Um, I think at some point I was excited until we fully arrived and then immediately I was robbed. Um, we arrived, uh, is it, what place is that? Park, Park Street? Park, Park Station. Park Station. Mm. And uh, I was now, I started asking myself where to from here. And then um, as I was going to the taxi rank, uh, they literally just came took my laptop bag, which had my laptop and just some few of my documentations. And uh, immediately I got scared. Then I heard a bus saying, Sun City, Sun City. I got in a bus only to find myself in Rustenburg. uh, Where were you trying to go to? I was scared, like literally mm. I was in panic attack because I was looking for, I was looking for, I had already uh, booked for a backpackers mm. around town, I don't quite remember. So that that's where I was going. So um, I called them, then they were instructing me that no, I should literally download Uber and then from there they are going to, to, to send me their address and mm. how I should literally get there. So in that process, that was the time that they literally uh, snatched my laptop mm. back and then I got scared and then there was this bus which was mentioning Sun City, Sun City and then I got in the bus going to Sun City. So what did you do in Rustenburg? Um, I stayed in Rustenburg for for about six months, mm. and in the process, I uh, the time that my days expired, I went to to home affairs, and then they told me that no, they don't deal with uh, with uh, with asylum seekers. I need to go to to I need to come to Pretoria. Mm. Um, starting starting the process wasn't easy. Um, um, even going through the interview itself, uh, being in the queue, uh, 
itself. You don't even know it, which cue to stand in, if it's the female or the mm. male cue. As if that's not traumatizing, uh, going inside, uh, facing the officials, um, it's also another um, it's also another struggle on mm. its own. Yeah. At this time in your life, were you now in touch with anybody from back at, back at home? Because you'd been in South Africa for about six months. Uh, not necessarily. Uh, I, did, um, I did receive an email which literally, uh, which literally they sent to me to tell me to literally change my surname. Uh, and because, from family? Yes. Who, who was it from? It was from, uh, I think, my brother's child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, apparently was, I don't know, uh, that I actually quite don't understand the story and I really didn't res- respond to, to, to read. Um, yeah, so they've literally blocked me on all social media platforms. So they were saying change your surname as in we are denouncing you as family. Yes. The authorities want you. You're a homosexual. We want nothing to do with you. Yes. And now they all blocked you on social media. Yeah. What year was all of this happening when you arrived in South Africa? Uh, I arrived in uh, 2017, the 12th mm. of January. Mm. Yes. Mm. So now you're going through the process of trying to get asylum. Yes. In South Africa, what are some of the things that happened to you in that process? Um, I think I was raped by two guys. I think it's because of uh, the the same process of home affairs. And uh, it's very, the entire process is very, very, uh, I would say, homophobic or um, South Africa has got the most beautiful constitution. Uh, which immediately you open it in the constitution, you read that, no, it belongs to all who live in it. And once when it comes to queer, to queer rights, I mean, they are the most, uh, uh, they've got the most beautiful queer rights in the entire world. Mm. Uh, no question about that. But I think that caters only for for South Africans, if I'm to say. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for instance, in, in, in my case, even just going through the interview, I was, immediately I got in, I was asked questions. Immediately I said I left my country because of uh, my sexual orientations. I was asked questions, oh, so why don't you look like so easy? Um, um, why don't you put on makeup? Uh, why don't you dress like a woman? Uh, are you are you are you on the receiving or giving side? So it was really really uncomfortable, and all these questions that were asked, they even came out in the report asking me, "Are you a Christian?" and for that, the reason for my denial says that no, because Zambia is a Christian nation, meaning that I cannot be gay. And the other ones state that no, because I prefer to be in the company of girls, because they asked me, then I, like, then I said I prefer to be in the company of girls, that no, uh, because I prefer to be in the company of girls, and no homosexual person wouldn't feel comfortable being found with, uh, with, 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 with girls. And then... Um, 
The other one says that no, because he was raped at a tender age, he wouldn't have chosen to be to be to be a gay. And then he also says that no, I I left uh, Zambia just to come here here and do prostitution. So those those are the reasons they give for the denial of uh, of of my of my of my of my asylum, which is literally totally. Um, I don't know if I can say is that rubbish or if I just fail to understand. It's BS. <laughs> and um, I'm going to be cl- like honest with you. Yeah. Those discriminations are not restricted for people that are not South African. Those mm-hmm. discriminations are prevalent across the entire LGBTIQ plus community. Yes. And I'm very sorry that happened to you because... Uh, like you say, the constitution is beautiful in writing, but in practice, yeah. um, you're still doing dealing with human beings who have their own discriminations. Mm. Because if you're seeking asylum on the basis that I cannot return to my home country because it's not safe for me, because I'm a homosexual, yeah. and now they're asking you, uh, why don't you look like Sumizu? Why aren't you wearing makeup? I mean, that's absolutely rubbish. How are you supposed to prove you're a homosexual? Yeah, I think they're all the way expecting me to go there, fetched up in drag and makeup with eyelashes. At Marabastad in Pretoria. Whatsoever. And it's not even conducive for a queer person to be found there. It's, it's not really, safe. It's really traumatizing every time that I'm there for me to, to just go through, through, the, through my documentation. At some point, I mean, you mentioned that you were raped by two men. Yeah. What happened because you actually saw them a second time after they had raped you? Yeah. What happened in that incident? Um, every time I'd go to home affairs because uh, my interview took my interview took about uh, uh, I can literally say four months before I could literally be given a, a document. By then, the first time I went there, they were giving me two, three weeks, uh, and I would go back out. I kept on going from Rassenberg to Pretoria, Rassenberg to Pretoria. Mm. I think in the longest, that four months, the longest they gave me to stay in the country was was about two weeks. Um, and and the and the reasons every, because I never paid anybody. So every time I would go there, if there's somebody who comes in who who has paid uh, who has paid uh, for them to be assisted quicker, then I'll be uh, then my documents will be put aside, and then they, they will attend to that person, and then I'll end up going. So that was the situation, mm. and. Uh, it lasted for about four months before they could literally give me mm. uh, me a decision. So there were these guys that would literally make fun of me and um, they would always tell me that, no, uh, I don't look at them because I only uh, deal with rich people. Sometimes they would give me comments whereby they would say that, uh, that uh, they would literally they will literally uh, show me what it is so that I can stop my gay nonsense and go back to 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 being uh, to being a man who I'm supposed to be. Uh, uh, yeah. So um, there was a time I went there. I think it was a Friday, 
uh, I was the last one to leave Home Affairs because as usual, somebody came in as the time they were attending to me and then they had to put my documents aside until it mm. was time to go. That's when I was told that, no, you come back on Monday and it was Friday. So I had to, 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 to spend the night in Pretoria. On my way, immediately I left, I went to the shop to buy, uh, to buy food. And on my way to, 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 my, to, to the hotel, I was supposed to sleep in. That's when one of, them, uh, one of them appeared in front of me and the other one at the back. They literally, uh, from Home Affairs Marabas, that if you go down, you'd find there's um, a drainage uh, which there's water passing and there's, there's a bridge that mm. comes across. So the time that I was, the time that they had picked me, the other one was with a knife. Whatever the other one was carrying, I quite don't remember. Uh, I think it was a gun or something. I really don't remember mm. quite well. And then they had to take me through until the until the until the bridge. And then the, they started smoking, and then they they were literally um, that they are going to show me. They took my phone. And um, uh, immediately they were smoking. I just saw the other one uh, undressed. And then the, the other one was still smoking. And then um, I was so much in disbelief at, at some stage. Uh, I was scared. I definitely knew that was the end of me. Um, and then the other one just literally uh, forced uh, pushed me down, I knelt down and literally forced his penis inside my mouth. And then the other one also started raping me from mm. behind. Uh, it was so, so terrible. I couldn't breathe at some point. Then I ended up biting the other one, mm. the other one sticks so, so hard because I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. And then I was hit. I was hit with something on, mm. on, on, on the back of Sorry. Okay. It's okay. I'm very sorry that happened to you. I'm very sorry. <sighs> That's literally what transpired. And then um, there were some guys that were passing <coughs> with the car. And then after that, they stood, they, they stopped, they were urinating. And then these guys thought as if they were coming to us. And that, that's when they started uh, running. They went in that bridge. And since then, uh, I didn't see them. Mm -hmm. And then from there, that's when I got up. Uh, and by then I was bleeding. Mm -hmm. uh, immediately, I think they told me that, no, these there's, there's the police station just after across the, the, the bridge. And then the time I went there, only to find that it's Metro Police Station. Then uh, they said, we don't deal with those cases. You need to go to the Central Police Station. Mm. I didn't even know where the Central Police Station was, and it was getting dark. I ended up going to my, to my room. But by then, I was still bleeding. And... Mm. I remember I was in the bathroom trying to wash up everything. I washed myself. 
thoroughly. I cleaned myself. Like, I ended up, I could feel their stench on me. It's like mm. somebody who has stayed for days without bathing. Mm. I really, really felt so, so disgusted. Mm. It, Take the, all the time that you need. What did the police say to you when you eventually were able to try and report? Um, I think that was the following day because I saw... I. I literally didn't want to go to the police anymore. And then I decided to go to the hospital. And then at the hospital, they said they couldn't assist me. I needed to go to the police. So I had no choice, but I had to go back. And then I started looking for a police station until later in the afternoon, that's when I found it. Um, I was literally moving through the streets and blood kept on coming out. Mm. Uh, I had put different T-shirts uh, in my pants just so that blood wouldn't, uh, just so that blood <coughs> wouldn't uh, drop all over me. The time I reached there at the police station, um, I reached there and then I told them that, uh, that I was raped. They started asking me, how can a man rape a man? Um, and then just there at the counter, they started laughing. They started, they asked me to give my statement while standing there at the counter until the time I was like, I'm in pain. And then I literally showed them the blood. That's when I was taken to the private room. Mm. And then that's when they literally called uh, somebody, I don't know who to investigate or whatsoever. And I think that was the only time that they took me seriously. Mm. And then the police station, the, the police ended up taking me to the hospital uh, where I was attended. And immediately I was put on ARVs for about, is it 22? I don't know if it's 21 or 20 something mm. days. And immediately uh, after I finished taking those, then and then we went for tests, then they had to find that, no, um, I'm, I'm HIV uh, negative. Then mm. immediately they had to put me on. I, I opted to, to start taking PrEP. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in this time, I mean, you're without your family. Yes. They're not in contact with you at all. How mm. were you surviving financially the time that you had been in the country? Um... I started, I started um, because I know how to plot and um, that was what I was doing most of the times. So I would literally buy air and make wigs and then mm. from there sell, um, sell them in the streets. Mm. That's, how I, that's how I was literally surviving the time I had come to stay in Pretoria. Mm. Uh, but the time I was in Rustenburg, um, I still had some funds in my bank account. Mm. Yeah, that pushed me through. Mm. 
until the time I saw that I was running out of funds because in the period of four months, they were literally giving me two days, Mm. three days to come back. I would come back on a Monday, then tell me come back on a Friday. I would go back to Rastimbe, come back on a Friday, not come back on Monday. Mm. Uh, That's how it was until the time I saw that, no, I'm running out of funds. I need to see if I can move. Mm to Pretoria, that's how, that's how I made that decision. So how to this day has life been for you? It is... Now I've gotten to know friends. Most of the times my friends always come, come through to, to assist uh, whenever, whenever I'm in need. But I'm also... Um, which I'll I'll be writing exams probably next week. Immediately once when I finish, that qualifies me as an assistant nurse. Um, Yeah, but I also do a little bit of modeling, so Mm -hmm. that brings in uh, income as well. Um, Yeah, so that's how I live. And I'm also an LGBTI refugee activist, Mm -hmm. um, which I normally... After my story came out, uh, a lot of uh, queer migrants do reach out. So that's when I started speaking uh, on on behalf of uh, queer migrants as well, but also collecting. Uh, sometimes I do requests for 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 donations like clothes and food, which I get to distribute to 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 other migrants. Mm. Yeah, that's how basically, that's how I live my life, basically. Do you miss your family? I I do miss them sometimes, but also I think I've gotten, because from 14, I've never celebrated my birthday or Christmas or whatever uh, celebration that is out there with, with, with them. But also, even the time that I was home, uh, my food would always find me in my bedroom. I would only get out, go to the bathroom, come back. Mm. So I do miss them, yes, but I really... And it hurts sometimes, but I think I've, I've learned how to deal with it. So what would you want your family to know? What would you say to them if they were watching this? I, I do have a lot of questions that I don't know, but I do have a lot of questions. I actually don't even know what to say, but I really, really do have a lot of questions and wishes such that I wish I was treated like every other, like every other, like every other child. Um, and I never chose to be who I am. Um, yeah, I, I really have nothing to say to them. I'm still hurt, I think. Mm. Yeah, I'm still hurt. And I'm, I'm happy now accepting fully who I am, even though I'm still struggling with the issue of documentations in South Africa because it's still an ongoing process. Mm. Yeah. 
What would you like people to know about your story and your life? And it's not just South Africans, it's, it's people all over the world. Um, I think, uh, I, I think I would, I would send this message, especially, especially to, to South Africans and all over the world, because most of the times I'm literally beaten even in the taxi. Um, at some point I've been asked to, uh, I'm, I'm forced to leave the taxi uh, because of my sexual orientations and because I'm a foreigner, I've been asked to, to go back. Um, I think I would want them to know, to know that I, I never chose to be who, who, I, who I am, but I love who I am. I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. And um, for so long, um, I've been made to feel uh, different. I've been made to feel not worth it. And that's not just in my country, but here as well. I do get uh, uh, death threats, like almost on a daily basis, and I and I'll take them to the police. They say there's nothing that they can do. I'm like, are you guys waiting until the time that once when I'm dead, that's when you that's when you come in and start uh, start uh, start uh, start looking around? Should I be the next? Uh, hashtag before you you can literally come in to 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 act um, I love myself i wouldn't choose, i wouldn't change it for anything in the world mm. and um, I just wish they could literally accept us without beating us in the streets mm. or making us feel uh, feel somehow or asking us to go back where we come from. Because mm. immediately once when I go back, I'll literally go back to prison. Mm. I've never been in prison and I wouldn't want to experience it. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm sorry for everything that you went through. You have been raped, you've been abused, you've been ostracized, discriminated against. Yeah. And on the one hand, one might be thinking, at least you fled your country where you would have been jailed for who you are yeah. to a country where we have this beautiful constitution. But unfortunately, it, I almost feel like you're in a different type of a prison here. Where I you're being, feel like that. Yeah, you're being discriminated against because of your sexuality, yes. because you are a foreign national. Yeah. And it's a pity that the conversations around undocumented foreign nationals are yeah. always about they should not be here when we don't look into the individual stories as why is a person undocumented, yeah. a person is seeking asylum and a certain type of refugee status that they're unable to get because they're not dressed like so measy and they don't have makeup on, which is completely yeah. unacceptable. But thank you so much for coming to share your story. What I'm so hopeful about is the fact that you've chosen to be an activist and to speak for the other queer lives that yeah. matter. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's been great being here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. The lives of every single human being matter. Even if they're not documented in this country, their lives matter. The lives of queer people matter. I'm so sorry to each and every one of you that have been abused, raped, discriminated against, and then have to face a system that is backed by a constitution that looks great, 
but a system that has failed you. We see you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a good night. Next time on Unpacked. Have you had your eggs checked? Your egg levels checked? And I just said, no, of course not. I'm sure I'll be okay. You know, it's not something that you expect or, or are ready for. If surrogacy was the only route, as far and as remote as it was, I was going to explore that option. I think many of us, including me, suffered from post-traumatic stress. You know, the number of needles, the, the, the suctions, the, the scans. for watching Unpacked with Rileb Khilema. Make sure you subscribe to my channel where you can get to watch more episodes. But more importantly, you can be part of our online community. Comment down below, share with us who you'd like to see on the show, what story you'd like us to discuss. We love engaging with you. Keep it coming and don't forget to subscribe.